Welcome back to CFO Weekly, where we're talking with financial leaders about how to build efficiency in their teams, create time for strategy, and ultimately get results with your host, Megan Weiss. Let's jump right in. Today, I'm speaking with Cliff Edwards, CEO and majority shareholder of Thomas Edwards Group. Thomas Edwards is an award-winning Dallas-based accounting and finance search firm founded in 1997 that delivers a full spectrum of solutions, including direct hire and permanent interim and contract staffing solutions. Prior to starting Thomas Edwards Group, Cliff held various financial roles in banking, accounting, and management consulting. He earned a BBA in accounting from the University of Oklahoma and an MBA in finance from the Wharton School of Business. Thanks for joining us today, Cliff. Uh, Thanks, Megan. I sure appreciate your time. Yep, I'm really looking forward to today's topic, accounting talent. So over the past few years, I've spent a lot of time reading about this topic. From the shortage of talent, to the changing expectations of the role, to the evolution of the profession brought about by technological changes. There's a lot to cover, so let's jump right in. Cliff, you've been scouting for accounting talent for more than 20 years now. How have you seen both the profession and the talent change during this time? Well, you know, it's it's interesting. I kind of took a shot at, uh, at thinking about that. And then I, I call my partner, Sharon Luckich, who is, she's president of the Dallas uh, chapter CPAs, Texas Society CPAs. And then she's also on the board in Austin. And, you know, she gets all the statistics. What, what we've seen has changed is, first of all, there's been an aging in the, you know, the average CPA. Yep. So for a number of years, it seems, I don't know if fewer people went into the profession or if it was a combination of maybe some less interest and then the fact that some states like Texas make it harder to get certified also. You know, you have to have five years, master's degree, and, you know, if they're, uh, they're one of the more strict states, I think, on on CPE. You know, I was certified in Oklahoma and they really just, you know, you could be an industry member. It was, it was looser requirements. I'm not a CPA any longer, but uh, so I think, you know, a com- combination of that. And then I also feel like, and this may just be, uh, be my opinion, is that during a really booming economy, people don't look at it as, as, a, as a really sexy career yep. and the economy is not as good or when it's, it's falling back a little bit. Everybody knows that if you get an accounting degree, you're going to get a job. And what I think um, more people are realizing is just like your background and my background is starting out in accounting, uh, you understand the numbers, you know, you get a CPA. You and I both went back to grad school and just have such a huge advantage over somebody going into business because we understand the numbers and everything behind them. Yeah. Um, What's changed in the last 20 years is, you know, socks hit and all of a sudden you're seeing CFOs in orange jumpsuits and that scared a lot of people and for good reason. You know, and I, I remember when socks came out it was a couple of years after the recession back then and all of a sudden every able-bodied CPA was working, you know, on these big massive projects. So, you know, Enron, socks, lots of increase in oversight and internal controls. And then my partner Sharon pointed this out you know, I was in consulting at Cooper's after grad school. She was in consulting in the same group, same overall group. Uh, we didn't know each other, but is that consulting now has just turbocharged since then. You know, it's, there were consulting groups, but I always felt like tax and especially audit kind of looked at consulting as those wild cowboys out there doing, doing whatever. I mean, you worked at 
uh, Accenture yeah. and it's just a huge business line. And that's what, what it's become is the margins and growth rate and specialties in consulting. So it's just a great platform to start out with an accounting degree. I always uh, like folks to uh, recommend that they get the GPA and then go the consulting route. And then some people are natural accountants, want to be an accountant. And between accounting, sales, and marketing, that's where the CEOs come from, too. So I do think SOX, oversight, consulting, and then analytics. You know, AI, and we're going to talk about that in a little, in a little bit, but just AI and the technology has changed to an extent that these mundane tasks can be outsourced what I would call is mundane, but a lot of people love it. But, but a lot of things that are more volume transactional can be outsourced or you can hire teams for that and do a lot of it with technology. And then it allows that CPA to do, do the more interesting stuff, the more analytical stuff. So big data and analytics, you know, now the, the uh, I know Harvard's got one and a lot of the schools have these analytic programs that are fantastic. Yeah. And to your point, I have heard like these days that a lot more CFOs are moving into the CEO role, you know, just having the experience with the numbers and understanding the business, it's allowing them to, to move in that direction. Absolutely. Absolutely. So how do you think in the next five to 10 years that the profession is going to change? I think, you know, it's kind of like uh, when I got into recruiting over 20 years ago, people were saying, gosh, Cliff, uh, this new internet thing, is that going to ruin your business? They've been saying something similar about accounting for a while with all the technology and AI is, are you going to need as many, uh, as many accountants? And I think, you know, with it being international and global workplace, I think you do. And I think, you know, basically this rise of data analytics and big data is those skills of you need to have Excel, you need to understand uh, conversions and ERP, and then, you know, big analytics is how to source the data, how to put it together, and then how to make decisions from it. And I just think that uh, people with accounting degrees and accounting backgrounds are going to be right at the forefront of that. I've got a number of business owner friends. Some came up the marketing route, some came up sales route, some came up accounting route, and some of them might have a natural advantage because of a sales background, but I, I will have a natural advantage because I understand the numbers and the cost benefit of, of everything we do, which is really nice. Yep, agreed. And so you, you brought this up a minute ago about less CPAs in the market. And I, I have read that uh, it's expected that 75% of CPAs will retire in the next 15 years. And I'm constantly reading about a shortage of accounting talent. First, what do you think has caused this? And second, are you actually seeing a shortage of qualified candidates in the market today? I think uh, some of it still goes back to the, the uh, bigger requirements to get your CPA. And then it just gets drilled into you in accounting program to go into big four, uh, which I think is a great, it's a great move, but it's, it's limiting in a way too, because those jobs are great. They're rewarding. You're working with really smart people, but it's hard. I mean, it's, it, it can be a grind. I think it sets your, your uh, career on, on, you know, on the right path. But, uh, I would say the last probably two to four years, 
there's always been a, a shortage of good accounting talent as long as I've been in this business. But I would say it's just been exacerbated by the good economy. You know, it, it, it is sexy to go to uh, the Bay Area, you know, or to go to Austin and, and do technology work. And I mean, that where a lot of money has been made. That's where, you know, it's definitely a very interesting career. I think that's pulled some of those accounting talent people into, into that, into that career track. Yeah. So I think that with the longer certification and the fact that some people love that, that day-to-day accounting work and the month in close, turning around an accounting department, putting in an ERP. But then some of us, you know, I got in, when I graduated from University of Oklahoma, Penn Square had failed the summer before, and it was an awful, awful economy. I think over a two-year period, something like 17% of the population in, in Oklahoma moved out of state. And so it went from people getting eight offers with big eight, now I'm dating myself, <laughs> uh, <laughs> but uh, to getting zero offers. You know, Penn Square started that big tumble of oil and gas banks. And um, so, but accounting majors always get a job. You know, did I love the audit life myself? No, but some yeah. people are very good at it. And it's, it's gotten more interesting, I think. For me, I really like the business aspects. I like sales and marketing. And I like being able to analyze a situation and through the consulting background, try to make it better. So, you know, I think, think what has given us an advantage as a recruiting firm is the last two or three years we've invested in growth And we know that if there are fewer candidates, if we have a good database, which we do, we have been trying to get 80 to 100 candidate interviews a week. So our database is over 50,000 people doing a lot of uh, interviews and then staying in touch with folks. When we go to market at, say, a hotel company or a technology company, if we're going against a boutique or even if we're going against a national firm, we know that our, you know, we have a lot of fresh faces coming through the door and we've interviewed a lot of people. And so that has helped us to at least address the shortage of accounting talent. But it's right now, I think the next six to 12 months for your company, our company, and then all the companies in in Texas is going to be a good time, I think, to add some talent. But I'll tell you, it's still a shortage. If uh, we have a few clients feel that feel like they're going to make, you know, maybe not pay as much or going to just have a huge list of really good accounts to choose from. We haven't seen that uh, capitulation yet. Uh, we saw it basically in 2008 through 2010 where you were seeing, you know, I remember a, a guy that worked at Deloitte. He was, he had survived three layoffs. He was working 90 hour weeks. You know, Deloitte's a great firm and they, it was, it was tough. Mm-hmm. I don't know if we're going to see that this time. So it is a good time to hire. But also, I don't feel like we're just going to have a huge ton of candidates coming in the market either. We'll yeah. see. Okay, so let's switch gears for a minute and talk about millennials. By 2025, millennials are going to make up 75% of the global workforce. And a majority of them are already moving into management positions. So what do you think motivates millennials? And what unique qualities do they bring to the workplace? You know, I have a probably a different perspective than than some folks. You know, my age group, baby boomers have. I'm a bit. This sounds like it sounds a little bit bad to say that you're an opportunist. Opportunist, but if you're going to be an entrepreneur, you have to know when to pick your spots. And back in uh, 
2010, I kept reading articles about these new grads having no job opportunities. And I remember I interviewed a lady that came from University of Oregon. She had like a 4.0, had waited tables, worked her way through college. And, she, and I, I interviewed her. We were coming out of the recession. So we, I think we wound up not filling the, the spot. But she stayed in touch with me and I with her. Three or four months later, we called her and interviewed her. And she was the first new grad we ever hired. She's, uh, yesterday, she was with us eight years. She's been with us eight years. Or I think it's today. She is phenomenal, one of the best people, uh, folks we've ever hired. Crazy work ethic. And we don't work tons of hours, but sometimes we, sometimes we have to work odd hours just because of the client drives. So that was, you know, we have just had a great experience. We're literally almost 50-50 between people over 40, 45, and people under maybe 32 or 33. And, you know, when occasionally, I don't hear that much anymore, but I'll have a friend that uh, kind of moans about that millennial generation. I just don't buy it. I kind of buy that PwC study that said that the things on, on folks' minds, about 85% overlaps with the things on my generation. And, you know, the, the intelligence, all things being equal, the, the technical skills are, you know, are phenomenal. Our two top billers last year were are both under... One's under 30, and I think one was 31 or 32. So we have had a great experience with it. And I feel like we're doing a better and better job of, you know, my partners are all a little bit older right now, but I think we've done a good job of laying the groundwork for a next generation to take, take over at some time. Yeah. So I kind of cut that short when I hear somebody complaining about it a little bit. I just say, you know what, send them over to me. I'll interview them. We'll try to place them, or maybe we'll hire them because – it's, you know, I, I don't know. I mean, I didn't have my stuff together in my 20s like yeah. probably both my boys do and a lot of the people at our, at our company. So it's, I think everybody's fairly much the same. We care about our family. We want to make money. We want to learn. I uh, want to be challenged. You know, I don't know if it's exactly 60%, but they say, 60, uh, basically when somebody wants to change jobs or when they change jobs, about 60% of the issue is the issue they have with their direct supervisor, right? Yeah. Uh, and so to, to, to feel like there's a generation that has less motivation, I'm, I'm just not seeing it. Yeah, so. it's true. I mean, you do hear a lot of negative things about millennials, but I, I don't think it always comes to bear like anything. Well, I think it's a matter of finding the right people. Yeah, it's people my age uh, teaching other people my age how to deal. And it's like, maybe the, maybe people need to learn how to uh, deal with me a little. You know, my technology skills stink and I've got to get, get better and I've got to become a better leader. And, you know, it's like, but yeah, I, I feel like we have just had great experiences. And, you know, it's, I, I, don't, I don't see any big differences when you hire somebody that, uh, you know, was in sports or did. Uh, did well in college, is motivated, then that's, that's you know, I, I'm a firm believer that um, path, you know, that you can kind of look at a, a past person's accomplishments and that will give you some idea of how they're going to treat their job, you know, all things being equal. Yeah. So I, I often read about millennials and, and them being drawn to sexy, flexible, meaningful jobs. And, and those are things that aren't always synonymous with accounting from what you've seen, have millennials been attracted to the accounting profession in general? 
You know, I think so. I, I think so. I mean, you know, you and I both were attracted to the industry. Yeah. Um, but we went different directions. You know, we felt, you, you probably felt the same way I did is that you've got some skills and th- some things you want to learn. And, but yet, you know, I like the accounting. I've got a good numbers brain and, you know, there's a, it's, it's interesting. I mean, accounting is an interesting career. So yeah, it is. And it, it does open up a lot of doors. Oh my gosh. I mean, you know, my, uh, one of my sons is a management major and a lot of the jobs you're looking at are just right out of school, something in the customer service or sales, you know, and those are, those can be great careers for the right person. What I liked about accounting is I've got number skills and analytical skills, and I was able to put those to work. The other thing too is accounting is a huge equalizer. I mean, my roommate in college became a lawyer and the, the guy, I would study for five or six hours for a test. He would come in, look at my notes at one in the morning, read them once, and sometimes beat me on a test. The guy had uh, incredible memory, um, but I always beat him in accounting classes. My grades were, I think, better. And, you know, accounting is if you've got a good work ethic and not a crazy work ethic, but if you if you're responsible and you've got a good work ethic, you will set yourself apart from the crowd. You know, it's my, my wife's a uh, designer. She had been at Levi's and JCPenney, and she's got a nice blend of analytical skills, but she's also very creative. I don't have that, you know, and, and what I do have is some basic number skills and I have an ability to work hard. And in accounting, if, if you know, if you, I think if you, the, the effort you put into it is what, what you're going to get out of it. And it's a, it's a background that you can be very successful. You'll get to a six figure income in accounting. And there's most people that go into it, love it, but it's also a platform to go into anything. You know, yeah. I, if I told you I would get, get my CPA, go to Wharton and then become, uh, you spend most of my time in sales and love my job, I would have thought you were crazy. Yeah, I can relate to that. <laughs> right? Um, oh, okay. So we'll, yeah, yeah. I mean, it is, it, it's, I found that my days spent at Deloitte it was an awesome training ground just to really understand how business, how businesses function and, and kind of the basics behind business. Um, well, so I, I wouldn't give up those two and a half years for anything. Well, and you got the work at Deloitte, which is a phenomenal company. You worked at Accenture. So you have worked with really smart, motivated people. They're smart, they're funny, and it's just great to work with. Yeah. Still some of my best friends. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So let's change gears for a few minutes and talk about accounting opportunities. So with all of the investments that companies are making in both automation and artificial intelligence, is the accounting profession still attractive for someone who's just starting college? Is is it something you'd suggest them getting into? And I think we've touched on it a bit in in the last few minutes, but can you just speak to like automation and what it's doing to the profession? Absolutely. You know, I think, I think the fear has been that at some point you'll be able to, you know, an analyst will be able to, come back and push a button and then there's your financial statements and all the comments and all the variances. And, but it really, it really hasn't worked out that way. I mean, these ERPs now they're tying, you know, their SAP years ago added, you know, HR. So now they're full enterprise models and, you know, the, the thought has always been, if you can go to 
uh, let's just say Mexico or India and get a good accountant for a lot less money, then that's the way it will go. And what we've seen is companies um, basically have some offshoring and some outsourcing and even some insourcing for other parts of the country. And I think this whole remote work thing is just, I mean, it's been a thing for a while, but now everybody's done it. And, you know, you're going to see that go well. But I, I, I do think, I feel like, you know, for that person getting the accounting degree, they, you know, somebody going to SMU or, or, you know, Texas and getting their, their accounting degree, that it's a, in a way for me personally, I would say it's almost a better job now. Um, it was a good job before because you got to deal with numbers, you got to deal with people and, you know, those that move up in accounting still have to have those, those personality school skills. I think it's even more interesting now because of the, the analytics and the big data and the fact that you've got these front ends to some of the bigger systems and these analysis models where you can go in and make the decisions. You know, a lot of times it might've been the controller helping that team control, uh, closing the books, but then you had that track of the accounting CFO or maybe the more finance CFO. And now I think those have become a little bit more blended to where, you know, if you're an assistant controller or a controller, or if you're over an FP&A, you get to see some of the decision-making, the budget and planning, and then how that how those numbers are used on product lines and and uh, business lines. So I I just think that some of the stuff that that three to five to six year accountant routinely gets can't might get a little bored with, and not all of them, probably less than the majority, but they're going to have that path to be able to do to to make help make strategic decisions, which are the things that help a, a person move up in a company as well. Yeah. Um, so I think the skills you're going to have to develop is you really have to, I think you have to have some good Excel skills, some good database skills, just know your way around technology with, you know, you may see commercial real estate get a little hammered in the next few years because I mean, we're, we're an example of a company that probably has uh, excess space, right? And now, I mean, we've done great with remote and we already had some remote workers, but the problem is for career wise is, you know, if you get too much into the data or you're not visible, sometimes that may make your career path and your promotion path a little a little bit slower. So I think you really have to develop those people skills. So yep. get that chance to manage, get that chance to run a project. You know, when I, I don't, I got real lucky when I was 26, I moved from public accounting into a job and I had, uh, I was an accounting manager and I had like 15 and then 20 people under me. Some were non-degreed, some didn't have accounting degrees. I was the youngest one, I think. And that was eye-opening managing people. And, you know, and you saw this at uh, Deloitte, I'm sure, and you probably see it in your company now, is that some people are good at managing, some people are good at managing sideways, and some are good at managing up. But learning at least the basic level of skills on how to communicate with your bosses and with their bosses' bosses and, and those type of things, how to get along with your 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 peers, and then also how to manage and lead a team is is difficult. And those are the skills that are going to make the difference, you know, for accountants. The, that that super technical accountant might make partner in big four, might get to CFO, but if they don't have the people skills and at least some marketing and kind of sales and interpersonal skills, 
it's going to get in the way. And what's amazing is if anything you want, if, um, if there's gossip in the workplace, if you have a manager that, that's showing a little bit of anger, everything's out there on TED Talks and YouTube now that you can, you know, anything that you want, it's amazing because you don't have to go sign up for some HR. Uh, it, you know, when I started, we got everything, all resumes by fax. And so now you've got webinars, you've got all the resources that if you get your annual evaluation and it uh, tells you that you need to be a little bit less abrupt, well, you know, you can go get world-class uh, free skills online yeah. and it gives, it gives you kind of a peer group to, to compare to, you know, that you're not the only one that has that issue. You know, what I've seen with, with, uh, managers, we're, we're a nice company, you know, we've won best place to work a number of times and, you know, we, we hire really nice people, but you have, you know, whether you're the hammer or whether you're the, you know, uh, super kind, empathetic, or whether you're in the middle, you still have to have, you know, have to hold people accountable and there's results that are expected. So those soft skills and those interpersonal skills are what get us to that next level and get us to the jobs and the assignments that are more rewarding. Yeah, definitely. It's not about just crunching numbers anymore. Yeah, yeah. So um, and you do see examples of CFOs occasionally that, you know, it's that Peter principle where maybe they moved up one notch higher than they should have. Yeah, definitely. Okay. And of course, no conversation these days would be complete without touching on coronavirus and the state of the world right now. So how do you think that the COVID-19 pandemic is going to impact accounting opportunities in both the short and long run? Yeah, I should probably, and I won't, but I should invite my wife in here. I think every household has an expert. (laughs) (laughs) Megan, are you the expert in your household? I'd I'd like to think so. (laughs) You know, it's... Okay, you know, full disclosure, you know, I've got my little numbers here. They are numbers and we got to track the virus, right? I mean, but, you know, I think that was a tough one. That That's a tricky one because I, I don't know. It's if, if you had told me any time in my career that restaurants, travel, uh, concerts, sports were just going to be completely closed down. Yeah. That's amazing. It's devastating. And then, you know, the, just the human cost and the deaths, it, it's, it's just pretty scary stuff. I, I do think, here's one of the comments that, that we've all heard from a lot of people is, oh my gosh, you know, I, I was maybe fighting uh, remote work or we were already moving toward it and it makes sense. I mean, motivated people that, that are responsible are going to get their work done, you know, but there's still... You know, there were some companies that were going from remote, like IBM, to a little bit more in-house. But yep. uh, what we've seen, we're fortunate because we can still do our job. You know, we're not like a restaurant or, you know, a top golf or something where they had to close completely. So the remote, uh, working remote has been very good for us. I think we've done it very well. Most of the folks really, I'm probably the laggard. But most of the folks on the team have good technology skills, and we have a controller that is just phenomenal. She's great at the accounting and the control side, but she also uh, was a consultant and implemented uh, systems, accounting systems for a few years. So she rivals our outsourced uh, IT guy in her abilities. So she and 
you know, we were fortunate, but she put us on a new phone system a couple of months before this hit. And even if she hadn't, we would have. And so now everybody's got uh, work from home. I do think, you know, and you know this, uh, working from home, sometimes you work more and you have to find that line of separation, right? I mean, otherwise you're not going to be a good spouse or you're not going to be a good mom or dad or friend or brother or sister. uh, Because if you're logging in and doing work at the 10 o'clock, you have to be able to turn it off. Um, so I think that working remote, uh, the, the big data analytics and just improving those skills, you know, I'll see somebody, uh, go interview for a company that uh, has NetSuite and they've got nine out of 10 things on their resume. They don't have NetSuite. Well, now you can go take a tutorial. You can go through some classes online and within a couple of days, you can at least have done exercises, uh, know the interface, understand it, be able to compare it to, you know, QuickBooks, or maybe you were in a big, big ERP environment. And so now you have that extra piece where you can at least talk about it on, on an interview. Once you get that interview, then you can get the job if they feel you're the right fit. So you can, you know, there's, there's, there's no excuse really for anybody not to, not to have some basic Excel skills. And I'll include myself in that. You know, I was a Lotus guy, so, (laughs) <laughs> but I'm getting better at Excel and all I have to do is just go sit in my recliner and, and get on my laptop to do it. So, yeah, it's true. We probably all have a few more hours in our, in our days where we're not commuting or getting ready for work. So yeah, it's a good opportunity to brush up on skills that we're lacking. And the soft skills are the ones that get you there. You know, I have a friend. That's great. Yeah. I mean, I have a friend who's a CPA, CFO, and he's very well respected in the community, very good networker. And he has raised several million dollars for a venture that he's working on. And his personality, his intelligence, his uh, finance and number skills, along with his leadership skills, it's put him in a position, you know, to to uh, spend the next several years on his own company and um, and doing something that he's really engaged with. And so working, you know, getting those soft skills where you need to, you know, Persona is a big company, so you have probably some great technical folks, some great people folks, and then some that have a blend. And, you know, those that have a blend are the ones that I feel over time, all things being equal, are the ones that are going to get the best assignments and move up. You know? Definitely. Definitely an advantage. Yeah. So Cliff, it's been a pleasure speaking with you today. I just wanted to thank you for your time. I know your schedule is very busy and uh, I I appreciate you sharing your insights with us. I know I found this to be incredibly informative and I hope our listeners have as well. I'd just like to wish you and everyone out there a wonderful week ahead and until next time, take care. Well, thank you. And thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. Yep. Thank you very much. If you're ready to boost efficiency and streamline your accounting processes at significant cost savings, it's time to talk with Personiv. Their people-powered solutions have transformed the delivery of back office tasks and general accounting functions for decades, partnering with clients to provide everything from accounts payable to payroll services. See what Personiv can do for you by visiting personiv.com. You've been listening to CFO Weekly presented by Personiv. Please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts to hear all of our episodes. Want to learn more? Check out personiv.com. Thanks for listening.